may still act that way. Uh, yeah. How are you today? Did you know, did you know, if you come to church on Sunday when Pastor Don is preaching, you do not need to go to the gym. <laughs> Just watching him work out as he's doing this all over the place is enough to get your heart going and it counts for calories. Okay, just to let you know. Now, some people have been asking, Jack, what do we call you? Okay, now, I think that's sort of hilarious personally myself. I have a name, it's Jack. But some of you know me as Pastor Jack, because I used to pastor here. And some of you know me as Dr. Jack. Some of you know me as Captain Jack. Some of you know me as Mr. Jack. They actually made a song about that. So I don't care. Um, but today, we're going to jump into the Bible. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And you can open your Bibles there, or you can cheat and watch the notes, whatever works for you. And I've got notes inside your worship folder. It, it's a half-page note. I mean, there's like four pieces of paper there. Find one that says, caring enough to give your life away. Caring enough to give your life away. Let's pray. Father, um, we want to just thank you today that we can gather together in your house and um, have fun, have worship. Sometimes cry together, sometimes laugh together. But that we are gathered together because we are your body, because of what you have done for us. Teach us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So look, let's look at 2 Timothy together, <clears throat> verses 1 and 2. So you then, my child. Now, this is Apostle Paul talking to a young kid named Timothy. He's probably in his 30s. Um, so you then, my child. Did you ever notice that old people have to call young people by a funny name? You then, my child. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, there are some, there is at least one translation out there that says uh, that we're uh, to teach faithful men. That actually says teach leaders. That is a totally wrong translation. The word there for faithful is our word for genuine, word for reliable. Um, and so I'll talk about that in a minute. Now, notice it says to faithful men. That means we don't have to teach women at all. <laughs> now, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, because no man can teach a woman anything. Just, <laughs> just saying. Now, I can prove it. I can prove it, guys, because anytime you try, it is not a good outcome. Just let you know. And then they spend the rest of the time trying to correct you for what you said anyway. But really, the word there is anthropoi in the Greek language. It comes from the word anthropos, which you might know as anthropology, which is the study of? No, it's the study of man. The word anthropos means man, but it's man in general. All right, so when it's used in scripture like that in the plural, it means men and women, just to help you walk through that, because I don't want some woman come up and say, well, Jack, you know, that was a great sermon, but it didn't apply to me. <laughs> just let you, that's not where we're going. Now, I don't, <laughs> this is fun. Do not raise your hands. Do not. But I got a question. How many of you 
inwardly groaned when Pastor Don introduced another discipleship book. That's why I said, don't raise your hands. It's like, another one? Jack, didn't you do this? Didn't Gene do this? I mean, come on. Why do we have to go through this again? Now, look, we can have, you can, you can actually feed back to me now. Can someone tell me how many discipleship books or sermons you have had to go through in your life? Huh? Uh, yeah. Anybody, anybody here at least two or three? Okay, good, good. And so you know, you've done this thing over and over again, and all of a sudden the new guy shows up and he says, here's another one. And you're going, okay, we'll be nice to the new guy. But really? Well, you know, you know why people get tired of going through discipleship stuff again and again and again? Because you haven't done it yet. You hear it. You studied it. You're not doing it. Because if you were doing it, you would want to hear more, so hopefully it would help you do it better. And so what we have built are churches that are really good, especially, now, this really only, if you're a young Christian, now you take that any way you want. Either young, you know, as just brand new Christian versus young in age, however that works. But if you're a young Christian, this is good stuff for you. If you're old, no, deal with it. Just deal with it. If you're old, you're going, come on, can we go on to something interesting? Can we go on to something that is practical, that we can use, that we can actually do? Don't talk to me about this discipleship stuff. And so at the end of his series, he goes, hey, Pastor Jack, would you talk, you know, come and talk about this? And I'm going, well, you know, and sort of, you know, see if you can dovetail, you know, into discipleship and moving on. And, and I'm going, yeah, I'd have them yell at me. No. <laughs> um, but we need to jump into this. And that's why I'm using 2 Timothy, because 2 Timothy educates us about what all this is about. See, 2 Timothy 2.2 is about kingdom building. It's not about discipleship. It's about kingdom building. Now, look at the verse again. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Now, I want you to circle some things here. Circle heard. Circle entrust. Circle teach. Heard, entrust, teach. They're verbs. Heard, entrust, teach. By the way, the Christian life is made up of verbs. Okay? By the way, there's no verb in the Bible that says sitting. Just let you know that. They're almost all doing kind of verbs. Now, jump down to Matthew. In my notes, it's, but here, Matthew 28, 19, 20. You ought to know this. We'll look at some more verbs. It says, go, therefore, if you will. It's a uh, present, past, uh, present active participle. So it's as you're going. That would be the way you would say it in our language. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Now again, now circle some more words. Circle go, circle make, circle teaching. Go make teaching. Now compare the ver words that you've circled because they're very, very similar. Because over and over again in the scripture, there is this call that the Christian life is about going, it's about doing, it's about jumping into, if you will, the midst of other people's lives and leading them to and through the kingdom of God. That's what we do. We connect other people to the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But I got to go to them, I got to connect with them, and then I've got to walk with them and help them as they're growing towards that kingdom of God. That is what we do as a church. If we are not doing that, we are not a church. We're a social club. Okay? You go to the bar. They don't worry about going, teaching, making, doing all that other stuff. They say, another round, please. That's what that group does. What this group does is jump in the midst of other people's lives to see if, see if we can help make a difference, leading them to the kingdom of God and through towards the kingdom of God. That's how you define a church. If we, by the way, and the nice thing about we is there's no me in it. Did you know that? So we can talk about we, we're okay, because I'm not talking about you, right? You're going to say, well, that's that group over there. No, we are about the kingdom of God. Now, would you, now, now after that, I dare you, but would you agree with me that all, capital, I have it double capitalized in mind, all Christians are required to help build the kingdom of God? Yes, no. I'll try it one more time. Would you agree with me that all Christians are required to help build the kingdom of God? Yes. Yeah, a little bit better. Okay, just remember your angels watching how enthusiastic you are. I'll just remind you of that. Now, what we learn then is that the Christian life, if I'm, if I'm going to live for Jesus. Now, here's a, I mean, here's a biggie. You may not be living for Jesus. That, that's something sort of just to wake you up, slap you upside the head kind of thing. But if the Christian life, what I learned is the Christian life is not about me. Okay? The Christian life is about glorifying God with all my being. Would you agree with that? Yes. I'm to be glorifying with all of me. Okay? So we jump into discipleship and say, well, no, not that one. All of me, but just not that. God, I'll do anything you ask. Just don't ask me to deal with people. I've often said ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. Work with that. So what we're looking at today is really how to stop making me the center of my world and what it would look like if I start making Jesus the center of my world. See the difference there? If you're so consumed with you, then being consumed with Jesus is so difficult. I, I love talking to people that, that say they're Christians. I love working with people who say they're Christians. Okay, because anybody can say they're a Christian, right? And, and so and when I'm work doing counseling and working with folks, one of the first things I ask them, I say, say now, you, you know, I, I, have, I do Christian counseling, and um, so I work primarily with Christians. Are you a Christian? And they say, well, yes, I am. 
So we're, we're talking later on. I said, okay, well, tell me about your quiet time. They go, huh? You know, the devotional time, the time you spend with God in the morning? I, 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 I don't do that. Oh, you're a Christian. What kind of, I mean, then we want to find out, well, what kind of Christian are you? Now, you know, are you a good Christian or a bad Christian? What side of the Mason-Dixon line am I on? Anyway, they, I mean, because there's differences. But what we're recognizing is we're hearers, not doers. That becomes very problematic for Christian growth and life and victory. And yet, so Paul speaks into Timothy and says, hey, Timothy, you know these things I've been teaching you? I want you to teach that to other people who will then in turn teach other people. That's discipleship. That's the Christian life. Now, we run into some problems with that, so we'll deal with that. So what we're going to center on is this. Number one, you and I are called to be a link in an unending chain of changing lives. I, I have a boat. You guys are always hearing me talk about a boat. Well, the boat I bought, and I've been totally ignoring it. The anchor is as rusted as all get out. And I looked at the chains on, on that anchor. And they're big hunking links in the chain, but they're all rusted. I mean, I, one of these days when I ever get serious about taking the boat out, if it finally ever works. But anyway, they, um, I got to replace the chain because I can't trust the links. Okay, nothing worse than taking, what, a 22,000-pound you know, uh, boat to, out in the ocean and try to spend the night over at Catalina and you're... you're dropped your anchor, and you don't really know for sure. I think it'll hold. Maybe. Maybe. Nah. So the Christian life is, God throws us into this midst of the sea of humanity, and yet my life, what it's about, is being a part of a link that is genuine, that is solid, that is connected, connected to another believer, connected to another believer, connected to another believer. What? And our job is to be changing the life connected next to us. That person changes the person next to them. And that person changes the person next to them. And by the way, it's not hard. You do have the Holy Spirit living in you if you have Jesus, right? Yes. Oh, jeez. You do have the Holy Spirit living in you if you have Jesus, right? Yes. <laughs> James? No, no, I, I want you. If I want cheerleading, I want you. Let's go. But get this not only can you change a life, you are commanded to change a life. In other words, it's not optional behavior. Now, we'll get into your excuses in a minute. Hold on to that. But this is what I want you to celebrate. I can change lives with my life. That's what the Bible's telling you. I can. Now, I'm not too sure whether or not that's really speaking to me, and I really don't want to do it. No, but please don't make me try. No, that's what the Bible says. You can. Because you are empowered from within. Okay? You are powered within. I want you to grab that. Now, small history. When, when I became a Christian at the age of 15, somewhere, I, by the way, 15 years old was a long time ago for me. 
but not as old as some. But anyway, they, um, and so I think it's somewhere between 15 and 16. Could be 16 towards 17, not too sure. I became a Christian at 15. But um, I started discipling my friends. Now, nobody ever told me to go disciple. Okay? Uh, I mean, I was just so excited about Jesus, I just kept talking about Jesus to my friends. If you didn't want to be my friend, fine. I, I was okay with that. But if you were going to be my friend, you were going to hear about Jesus. And so what I did was whatever I was learned on Wednesday night, the old Baptist standard, right? And, and, and from youth, now today it's student ministries. Back then we were old, it was youth ministries. By the way, you can tell how old people are when they start talking about our youth. Because our students are going to say, who are they talking about? They, um, because we measure age, they look, ed measure education. But we'll go on beyond that, okay? And so here we are. And, and so I, I, whatever I learned on Wednesday night, I would share with my friends about what I learned. And, and it was just sort of a natural kind of thing. I, I was just doing it. Um, I didn't do these things because I was gifted or I was special. In fact, if you would go back to that period of time in my life, my grades were proof that I wasn't gifted. But anyway, all right. It was just in my heart that I wanted to do these things. Now, so here we are. We're, we're a part of this link. We're a part of this chain of connecting with others. And, oh, I left that out. I hate it when I do that. Yeah, you don't want to hear the rest of those stories. But anyway, one more story there is when I finally reached college, I was discipled by my youth pastor at that time. There were five of us guys met for every Saturday for a year. And it was actually from that experience I went into full-time ministry. And so Jim Landrum, who one time was here guesting with us at a celebration we had, uh, has passed on to the Lord now. But he was the guy that was a part of that link of that chain for me in my life. Uh, but here it is. Because a lot of you struggle. When, when Don says, man, you know, here's this brown book. You know, you need to be talking now. And he's using the word mentoring. Have you heard of that word mentoring? I, I don't particularly like it. But, I mean, he can use it. They, but I, if you want to use the word mentor, fine. You want to use the word disciple, fine. You want to talk about being that link in the chain, fine. But in other words, it's just where you're me. Anyway, here we go. Um, it's not about me believing I can. Get a hold of that. Because many of you just start out the whole discussion with saying, well, Jack, you know, philosophically, talking about worldviews, philosophically, that, you know, I, I understand why you would be saying that to me, but that's just not me. By the way, the Bible does not care. Does not care about your circumstances. Does not care about your history. Does not care about your defunctions. And oh boy, are we dysfunctional. Okay? If you, you know what the word dysfunction means, right? Dis means not function, functioning, not functioning. Yep, that's us. Celebrate. We're all like that. So it's not about me believing I can, because the truth is, in my own power, I'll, I'll fail. But it's about just being obedient to Jesus. So if you tell Don no, or you, you tell somebody who needs help no, you're just being disobedient to God. At least be honest about it. Hey, God, I know. I'm disobedient. Now, when you do that, let me walk away. I'm going to watch what happens. 
Most of us are silently disobedient. We think if we're silent, we can get away with that. Didn't you learn in childhood it didn't work? Right? The parent knows worry most when the kid's quiet. I don't hear him. What's he doing now? And so we're called to the same called obedience. See, we get stuck in thinking, who am I to disciple another person? I don't know anything. Okay, now, <laughs> I love this. this last, just this last week, I was writing some notes on this last week. And um, so I, we're down the hill take, uh, talking to my daughter, my son-in-law, my, my two grandkids, uh, Deacon and Delaney. Delaney's 16, just turned 16 in July. And I've been watching on Instagram. She keeps posting Wednesday night youth group they're meeting in a worship center like this. They do worship and, and stuff in there. But, but she's in the middle of doing it. And I say, hey, D uh, Delaney, what's up with this? Uh, what, what, are you, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm a part of a catalyst group. She sort of said that tentatively. But basically what she said then is, I'm being disciple to disciple. And I didn't say it, but I'm thinking to myself, Yes! Because that's, if you start then, it's a whole lot easier than when you become, yeah, older. And, and so, do I need new behaviors and habits? Yes. But most of all, learning to disciple someone else is about obedience. Now, get, now I want you to really get a hold of this one. I don't need to know how. Okay? Don't worry. I don't know how. Nobody does when they start. Can I just tell you that? I just need to be one step ahead. Now, this is fun. Um, I used to teach uh, seminary classes. It used to be uh, Gate, I mean, uh, Golden Gate. They changed their name now. They're Gateway Seminary. I started down in Brea at their extension campus. And this is back in, what, 28, 26? 2006, and I was teaching pastoral counseling, Christian counseling. Um, they changed the name from pastoral to Christian. I guess they didn't like pastor's counseling. I don't know. Um, then, then it was uh, marriage and family, and there was about three or four classes I was teaching down there. Then the main campus moved down here. They're actually in Ontario. If you go to the airport down there in Ontario and you look back over your right shoulder, um, there's a brown building that, that sticks up about seven floors. That, that's Gateway Seminary. And, and so I uh, was asked when they changed campuses, they took the classes I wanted to teach. And, and well, I'm just an adjunct, so I don't get no vote on nothing. And so the, the, the department chair said, Jack, would you teach cognitive behavioral therapy? And I said, sure. And then I thought to myself, I don't like Cogby. I mean, I know the principles, but I really haven't spent much time with it. I'm this relational kind of counselor kind of guy. And, and, but, but, okay, I want to teach it. So I, I, taught, I, had to, I had to buy the book. I had to read the book. Okay, I had to write up the notes. I had to do PowerPoints. I had to do lecture. I had to put formulate the whole class. I had to put it online because that's how they did all this stuff. I spent all this time preparing to teach that I, basically what I did, here's the key. You ready for it? I was two chapters ahead of the rest of the students. I taught an entire master's class being 
two chapters ahead of the rest of the students. Hey, Jack, what did you know? Two chapters ahead of you. Okay? I can still look back and teach this way because I'm still learning this stuff. Did I teach him this back here? Oh, oh heck no, I hadn't learned that yet. Now, I knew the basics, and don't get me wrong. By the way, can I just tell you right now, I'm really good at teaching and, and, and doing Cogby. Can, can I just tell you that? I'm really good at that. Um, still don't really like it, but I use it. But the thing is, and the reason I'm telling you the story is, you can fake it really well, and it's okay. All right? If you're working with a newbie in Jesus, they don't know nothing anyway. They don't know how far along you are. Okay? You can quote John 3.16. You already got them beat. You can tell them what Pastor Don said from last Sunday. What do they know? You see? And if you're really good and you're going to Wednesday night Bible study, you're getting new material there, and you're going to talk about that. And you're always going to seem like you're really sharp, and we know you're not. It works. Uh, now, you can't say, though, I'm not ready. All right? Can't say I'm not ready. Uh, because the thing is, as long as you keep on saying I'm not ready, that means that you don't have a plan and you're never going to be ready. And you're going to be stuck. Oh, no, here's another sermon Bible study on discipleship. Won't they go on to something useful? And what it's really about is you're afraid to say out loud, God, I'm afraid. Did you know one of the most used verses or verbs in the Bible is the word fear? And most often it's connected with the statement, fear not. Over and over and over again it says, don't be afraid. Why does the Bible have to repeat itself so much? Because we're always afraid. Always afraid. So the thing that we jump though, and you have to, if you go back to um, 2 Timothy, uh, no, you don't need to go back. I'll go back. Somewhere there. <sighs> oh, no. I'm, I'm, no wonder. I'm wrong. See, it happens to oh, the best of us. Here it is. Oh, yeah, Colossians. Colossians 1.28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now, uh, again, circle words. Warning, teaching, wisdom. Warning, teaching, wisdom. Again, verbs. Verbs in all wisdom. Wisdom is, is not just having lots of knowledge. Wisdom is being able to use the knowledge you got. And so basically what we're saying, what discipleship really is about is teaching them about Jesus. Easy to do. Plenty of material out there. Warning them. Oh, we'll get into that. And then using wisdom as you work with them. Now, you'll probably need some help with that. We'll talk about that as we go on. See, the biggest mistake that you and I can make in discipleship, in, in discipling someone else, is not being genuine. We think we got to be somebody to be able to disciple, to be able to help somebody. And the Bible, by the way, you will never find that verse in the scripture. Okay? I mean, look at the people Jesus started with. They weren't all that swift. I mean, remember that Peter guy? 
Hey, Jesus, I'll hang in with you forever. Up until the first sword shows up, and then I'm running. Yeah, they weren't all that swift. So here's the biggest mistakes we can make in discipling. Number one, not being genuine. Um, one, one of my favorite counseling lines when I'm counseling with somebody is, I've already sinned that sin. Say that with me. I've already sinned that sin. Okay, get over it. Anybody in here not a sinner? Just testing. Okay. The, uh, the, so being genuine. Secondly, is being too harsh. We're to warn, not scold. We're encouragers. We're nurturers. And, and so if you're somebody who always has to be pointing out the faults in somebody else, yeah, you need a lot of help. Go talk to Don about your sins. All right. The, uh, the thir third one is being too soft. Not being genuine, being too hard, harsh, but not being, or being too soft. And that is being afraid to name a sin a sin. We've got to be able to name a sin as a sin. Hey, you know that behavior you're doing? Can I just recommend not doing that anymore? Because that means that if you keep doing it and God's not happy with it, because the Bible says right there not to do it, I I'm totally up to you, but God will hit you upside the head with a two-by-four. Just sort of saying. And I'm just going to watch, okay? Yes, I do actually talk that way when I'm talking with other people. might be why I don't have a big counseling practice. Anyway, um, 2 Timothy 2.15. Now, I love this one. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And so in the first part of Timothy, he says, okay, so uh, this, this you've heard. Now I want you to entrust to faithful men, okay? Uh, and, and so here now he's saying that what I'm going to do, the whole point of my life here as I'm doing this work is I want to work hard at being the best for my God. You like that interpretation? That's what it says. I'm working hard at being the best I can be for my God. Now, the word there, approved, means genuine, reliable. Okay, the real deal. A real Christian. Now, there are fake Christians. Fake Christians do not have Jesus in their life. Lukewarm Christians make God sick. Go to the book of Revelation. It's there. Okay, now, here's the thing. Notice in this passage, there's no mention of you have to be good enough. Look at it. Doesn't say it. Well, Jack, it does say approved. That word there, approved, means genuine, being real. Just learning to be a real Christian. What it really says is, do your best. How hard's that? Anybody in here can do that. Just do your best. Well, Jack, my best isn't all that good. <laughs> my Cog B class wasn't all that great that first year. Can I just tell you that? And they paid good money for it. It's amazing. You put the word doctor before your name. People just think you're smart. <laughs> nah. Okay, so um, here's a simple plan. Let, let me walk you through this. Here's the plan. I, I want it to work. I want it to be tangible for you. And I found a definition by, uh, you notice it says crew down there at the end of this paragraph. It, it's Campus Crusade for Christ. They had to modernize it, and they just put crew down there for their identifier. But here it is what it means to disciple. To disciple someone is to spend dedicated time with, pray for, build a friendship with, and intentionally teach them how to grow in their faith. How hard is that? Typically, a discipling relationship will have one person who's been a Christian for a longer time mentoring somebody who's been a Christian for a shorter time. Does that sound like 2 Timothy 2? Yes. It is. 
It is. You just take what you've learned, you share it with somebody else. Na -na. But Jack, I'm not learning anything. Well, one of two things are happening. You're, you have an, uh, a, a, a dyslexia or some kind of other impairment, but I, most people I know that have that kind of impairment work really hard to overcome it anyway. So, I mean, big deal. What it really may say is you're not having enough spiritual stuff coming in. That's a different problem altogether. We have solutions for that. But so what would it look like if I did this? How can I start a counseling relationship, not counseling, excuse me, a discipleship relationship with somebody else? Number one, really hard, you pray. Prayers ask. Ask. I pray to God for somebody to, to put on my heart. When God puts somebody on my heart, I go ask them. And I'm giving you the words. Hi, my, I, you can put it. Hi, my name is, no. I'm looking for someone, but it's in your notes, right? No, it's up there. I'm looking for someone who will be interested in learning more about Jesus. Would you be interested? What do, what do you do if they say no? Have a nice day. Hi, I'm looking for someone who is interested in learning more about Jesus. Would you be interested? Yes. Okay, now I can move on. Not hard. I have to ask. I pray, ask God for the sensitivity, know who that might be, um, and I ask. Now, getting started is the hardest thing. So what I want you to do is the idea of praying is asking God to give you a spiritual sensitivity of who might be right. You can ask, blame Pastor Don. Okay? One of my key phrases is blame the person in charge. Be, uh, ask Pastor Don who might, he might recommend for you to, uh, to ask and talk to. You might have a friend who might want to learn more about Jesus, or you could cheat. Win somebody to Jesus, you will always know more about the Bible than them. Not hard. You can do this. Now, so what I want you to do. Hey, uh, what's this? Oh, what do I do with the guest card? All right, see, the, the thing is, now, here's a guest card. Now, there's one in front of you. Please take it out. I'm watching you. You can be disobedient. I'll only tell God, but he knows. Now, what I want you to do here, okay, is you put your name and, and your, your digits down there. And then two simple questions, and you answer either one that's true of you. I would like to be discipled. Now, that means that there are people that are going to have the next line that you'll probably be introduced to who will help you to be discipled. See, we've already got this process going. I want to be discipled. Second question, you can either write this down if that's not true. I would like to disciple somebody else. Or you can write, Pastor Jack is guilty me into this. Either way works for me. I'm not going to get these. You're going to give them to Don. Blame the guy in charge. Okay? When, when the plate comes by, see, if you say, I want to, to disciple somebody else, and you're just doing it now because you're really scared, I mean, you're going to see the motions on the pen because, you know, because you're that afraid. Once you turn it in, you're done. He's going to contact you, and you're going to either say, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> or you're going to say, yeah, but I'm scared. Okay, we can live with that. We can live with that. So we begin. We ask them. Now hold on to that because I'm expecting you to put that in the offering. Oh, we already did the offering plate. Ah, so just give it to wherever Dawn is later on after church. 
Somebody, or Marlon, he's always standing by the door. You can give it to Marlon. We'll blame Marlon. Anyway, I won't go there. The, uh, secondly, tell them. So I've got to ask them. Now I'm going to tell them. This is what I'm going to tell them. If you would like me to walk with you in becoming a stronger Christian, this is what it's going to look like. Now, go to the next slide. Uh, the, the, the one on the left here, The Call to Follow Christ, is the book that Don's been sharing with you. Uh, and that is what you would start with somebody on if they have not yet gone through it. Okay? If they have, you would still walk through that book and their answers with them to verify where they are in their walk in Christ. So there's seven weeks of material. First seven weeks, you gotta be, you got it covered. Okay? It's a read and do. I mean, how hard is that? Now, at the end of that seven weeks... You're just really getting started. And so I recommend the other book, Rowing in Christ. Gene uh, has used this we've, for many, many years in, in our process. How many of you use the Growing in Christ book already? You were a part of that crowd. Robert, raise your hand. Okay. Make me look like you didn't. Anyway. There's a bunch of you. Anyway, so, uh, and it's a 13-week study on uh, Christian basics. So 13 and say, oh, there's 20 weeks already. You don't have to make anything up. It's a read and it's a do. So uh, I tell them I have a couple books. Basically what we're going to do is we're going to meet weekly to go over chapter by chapter each week uh, to answer any questions you have uh, or might have. And we're going to pray together. And, and that's pretty much it. Uh, and then I'm going to say, well, say, what would be a good day for us to meet and, uh, or day and time, and then you select where. Where are we going to meet? And meeting over coffee is great, unless they're one of those tea drinkers, and I don't hold hope for them anyway. Um, <laughs> coffee, tea. Coffee, tea. Might want to throw in possibly a uh, caramel softy drink kind of thing. Anyway, from Starbucks. But anyway, um, You know, the first time I ever went out with a college Christian seminary professor, when I was at Fuller Seminary working on my, my master's of, of counseling, we, he actually had groups of, of, of us meet over at a bar. <laughs> I never had watched a professor drink a beer before. I was just, I'm not, I'm not really against beer, I just hate beer. Can, I, that's another subject altogether, but we'll move on. Let's, let's just move on. Uh, the, I am not that kind of connoisseur. Now, you want... Oh, no, I'll get in trouble. I'll move on. <laughs> so, what you're going to do, besides going to the book now, is you're going to model. You want to model for them daily prayer and quiet time, attending a small group, weekly worship and giving, and serving others. Well, how do I model giving? Well, you just talk about what you do. You don't say how much. I mean, when I first became a Christian, I was in college. I, I think I tithed $10 a month because that was the, I, I had $100 a month to live on. I also grew up in a time when $100 would actually, ah, would work for a month. But anyway, um, the, here's the big thing is you want to take a genuine interest in them. A genuine interest in them. Uh, this time is about them. It's not about you. So you, every time you meet, you... Uh, 
Be curious about what's happening in their life, what's going on with them. Don't act like you have all the answers. You just want to communicate that you care about them. If, you, if they ask you a question that you don't know the answer for, and everybody's scared of that moment, here, here's the answer to it, okay? Is, that's a good question. You know, I don't really know. Uh, I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to email this to Pastor Don, because he's our wise one here, and he's going to tell me the answer, and then I'll share it with you. Or you can ask any of the staff. You can pick on Marlon or Gary or elders. Um, all these people will help you. Okay, listen to me. You don't have to know the answer. All you got to know is where, who to ask. And you're one step ahead of the person you're working with because they don't know this person yet to ask them. Um, so it, you don't have to have all the answers. And, and, and so uh, the neat thing about this is you will learn more about the Christian life when you start caring enough about others to engage them, to step into their lives and help them, not squash them, but help them. And, and so I, what I just want to put before you, I'm not going to do a big old honking offering thing because we're going to do on the Lord's Supper, but they, um, you have a decision to make. Do I turn in that card, yes or no? Okay, yes or no? Um, because we, we, we've done the study. We're ready for it now. This is our push just to go and be obedient and to do it. You can do that. The only question is whether or not you're going to be obedient, one way or the other. Lord God, I just want to thank you. You're awesome. You're amazing. Um, you do amazing, amazing things for us. And um, so when we talk about this kind of thing, we generally deal with fear. We deal with being scared of trying something new. But Father... This is our moment of whether or not we're going to choose to step out in growth or choose to remain the same. Christian life is always about verbs. Help us be a living verb for you. In Jesus' name, amen.